Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Let's do our Counterpoint now. We got John Mraz, former liberal war room strategist. Is that your title now? What are we going I don't even know what I am anymore. And Bill Hutchison, former journalist, now professor over at Seneca College, teaching the kids how to do the work in the trenches. Ask the right questions. That's right. All right, guys, let's talk a little bit about our prime minister um, who has in the last couple of days kind of been doing the thing that I thought we weren't supposed to do, which is negotiating in public. Christian Freeland says she's not going to do it. And in the last couple of days, Trudeau has been kind of laying out what he won't do, what he won't bend on. And then today he said the oddest question or the comment to one of our um, sister stations in Edmonton when he was asked the question by the host of you know, why is it so important for you to save um, certain areas like Chapter 19? Here's what he said. One of the things that is clear is that uh, we have red lines uh, that Canadians simply will not accept. We need to keep the Chapter 19 dispute resolution because that ensures that the rules are actually followed. And we know we have a president who doesn't always uh, follow the rules as they're, uh, as they're laid out. Well, President Obama's red lines did not work out so well, and I'm not sure it's going to work out, Bill, very well when the prime minister who knows that the that the president is thin-skinned, knows that he watches all his TVs and his radios. Why would you poke the bear on, on today? Because he doesn't care. Because he's campaigning for re-election already. He, his comments are, are totally uh, counter to any kind of productive um, uh, negotiations with the United States. Yeah, it's just really stupid of him to say that. He is campaigning. If, if Canada doesn't get a NAFTA deal, which it looks like we may not, uh, because not that's, that's what he's hinting at, and that's what he's hinted at in his recent comments, uh, then he's going to campaign as the guy who stood up to tr- to Trump. And and it's just, it's a foolish uh, gambit, and, and no good can come of that. If, if he were a smart politician, he would say, these are complicated negotiations. I'm going to leave it to our negotiators to handle that in private. This is not something we discuss in public, and I'm not going to insult the, the president of the United States in public. Well, you would think, I mean, look, the polls may go, you know, gongzo, if we don't get a deal and Trudeau seen as the tough guy fighting for his nation. But when people start going broke because auto tariffs have come in and you're starting to lose thousands of jobs across the country, he will be, you know, sent packing pretty quickly. What do you get is a sense of the strategy here? Uh, I get no sense of strategy, but pish posh, Bill, I completely disagree with you. Pish po- you- Wait, can you watch your language, posh. please? There's, there's children <laughs> what out there. What are you, 90? <laughs> Pish posh, Bill. It seems to me, (laughs) as somebody who has, uh, for a living, for better or worse, tried to muster vote, that, as per your point, Alex, the way to get reelected is to save or to grow our economy and the jobs therein. It seems also to me that there is a world of experience there now that let the president, let Donald Trump say what he will, tweet what he will, fire off where he will. Those that seem to succeed in negotiations with him or as adversaries against him are those that do not respond. Which the prime minister did. And so I am confused. He responded. Because I don't think 
that uh, Justin Trudeau is sucring any votes by saying such things because it makes Canadians horrible. But he's playing to an audience in now, Edmonton that, by the way, hold on, hold on. I didn't say it was a winning strategy. I, I, I said add, that's his strategy. I also want to add, we, I believe, will have a NAFTA agreement. I believe that Christian Freeland and the teams are still working very hard towards that end. Uh, I think I'm very much hoping that the advisors around Justin Trudeau have politely suggested today that trying to debate this in public is a poor idea and will not generate any votes, especially because nobody's paying attention. But we also knew that last week because that's what they were doing last week, saying she was very clear. We're not negotiating this. My, my theory is that strategically they're laying the groundwork for when this thing falls and then they can say, look, see, look what he's done. Look, it's, it, look it's very tough to negotiate with a guy like Donald Trump because you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Especially when you don't know what you're doing. Uh, Especially the, when the, the Prime Minister is not even part of the, the negotiations. I, I remember the Mexican president within the last year uh, saying horrific things about Donald Trump. And yet, with a new government, the Mexicans At have the outset of the deal. NAFTA negotiations, the, the problem the U.S. had was with, Me- with Mexico, not with Canada. We've made ourselves the problem now. Mm. Let me, let I don't me, and we believe continue, that these negotiations are over, and I bet you we They're get a deal, and, and we're I not going right. to give up much, and I, I don't believe do for a second he's going to touch the automotive okay. sector, because it'll kill his automotive sector. Well, yes, but he can he can be killed for far longer than we can, okay? That's just the bottom line. He can go a lot farther and play this game a lot harder than we can. We can't afford it for a week, let alone a day. But I do want to talk about why I would not poke the bear known as Donald Trump, because he's having a really crappy time. Not just like this explosive book that has come out, but now the New York Times has posted an anonymous uh, op-ed titled, I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. And, you know, apparently it's written by a senior official in the Trump administration laying out how colleagues within the administration are waging this you know, open campaign to contain the the crazy, for lack of a better term, uh, of tr- of Trump. This has sent him on a tirade. He is all over Twitter. Here was his comments about, you know, who would do something like this. Do we have that clip, Mike? Uh, yeah, here we go. We have somebody in what I call the failing New York Times that's talking about he's part of the resistance within the Trump administration. This person, this is what we have to deal with. And, you know, the dishonest media, because you people deal with it as well as I do. But it's really a disgrace. So when you tell me about some anonymous source within the administration, probably who's failing and probably here for all the wrong reasons. No. And the New York Times is failing. If I weren't here, I believe the New York Times probably wouldn't even exist. And someday when I'm not president, which hopefully will be in about six and a half years from now, the New York Times and CNN and all of these phony media outlets will be out of business, folks. They'll be out of business. They don't like Donald Trump. Yeah, well, you never know. Uh, But, you know, he is suggesting in a series of tweets... uh, Treason. So this is the day that I probably wouldn't also call him a cheater. I'm just going out on a limb. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. But there's no good day to call him a cheater. Let's face it. He's very thin skinned. It's not going to go over well. And uh, the revelations in that op-ed piece are, are shocking. Who knew that he was petty or petulant or, you know, all the other things that they say in the op-ed. Everybody knew this is what the guy was like. So. Sure. Yeah. You get what you vote for. No. Sure. <laughs> You're like, Canada and the I, United I don't States know you as a both loss voted of for populists. So. Our, ours happens to be happy, sunny ways. Down south happens to be, I don't know, guy with a daughter, wife, and a very thin skin. It's a very odd day. And, oh, God, I, I, I yearn for the days of politicians with experience, maturity, and some ideas that are going to move us forward in a very difficult world. On that, I can agree. Oh, wow. That's, a, oh, that's new. Well, you know, but nonetheless, you know... He, 
I wouldn't say he's changing the page on how he treats the media. He's just digging in further. But no he's just question. more extreme. There's been lots of politicians who've who've uh, put down the media and, and had wars with the media. Sure. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Take it back to Nixon. I mean, he, he was at war with the media as well. George W. Bush. To a degree, for sure. I mean, he was more in a fight with Hollywood than I'd say the mainstream. I mean, he positively looks completely normal. Well, I, like I'm that. sure to the left right <laughs> now. That's what they love. Like, yes, Come right. back. A paragon of emotional maturity. But, you know, Trump only has a few tricks. And one of his tricks, of course, is Mueller is moving forward quietly, apace. Looks like he's got a big file. Trump has not been able to displace him, and if he could have, he would have by now. And Mueller is coming for him slowly, and well. Trump is, spends every day trying to figure out how to distract the media from what is very clear that there's well, much more there. It's very easy for, for him to distract the media. Yeah, Every tweet, yeah. Every tweet. I mean, like, literally. But, you know, in his tweet, he, he basically says that this anonymous person, um, if they exist at the Times, must, for national security purposes, put him or her out there. Agree? Disagree? We've had this discussion before, John, about anonymous sources and how how much damage they can do. I don't think the anonymous source is saying anything really radical there that people didn't already suspect. But yeah, I think that anonymous sources actually should come forward. And if this you're going to attack could have been written by like Omarosa. That, I don't know who this. I am part of the resistance. I don't know. Like, who is this? It could know, be I, the garbage I, man, a garbage I am girl. very I careful know. about about using anonymous sources because, yeah, you can do an awful lot of damage we've and talked, they can hide we, behind We've it. talked yes. about this and, and I, I yearn for the days where you have... If you're going to use an anonymous source, you better have two other points of mm. confirmation. And it on would be record. nice Absolutely. at least one of them would come on the record, if not two. Uh, there are times and necessary times, let's go back to Nixon, where people are coming for anonymously because they will literally be killed. Mm. Yes, but in that case, they always had to get confirmation from other sources. That's correct. And so the question Somebody to, to the old gray the lady today is, do they have the other points of confirmation? Do they know well, that they this is not just a propagandic screed from the other side and a fifth columnist just trying to work for the Democrats and their benefit? Those are the questions I'd the, want to ask. The fact that it came out at the same time as Bob Woodward's book, which does confirm an awful lot of that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, nothing's done by accident. What a let's, let's just agree with that. Unbelievably explosive information coming out in the situation involving Joshua Boyle. You know, maybe the worst photo op ever. It did not age well for the prime minister. We'll talk about that. And guess who's coming to town? Woohoo! Steve Bannon is going to cause a lot of heads to explode, but we'll talk about that. Next here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Next time I'm just going to leave the mic up for the break. How about we do that? <laughs> It'd be a lot, a lot less clean language, but it's always show. fun. <laughs> Certainly would. All right, we'll have uh, John Raz and Bill Hutchison in to debate these next couple of topics. Josh Boyle making news today. Again, not the kind of news you want. This, of course, is uh, the guy that took his pregnant wife hiking. Um, in Afghanistan, because, you know, that's what people do when they're pregnant. And they would end up being kidnapped and held hostage by the Taliban. And uh, an Ottawa citizen reporter, and I won't go into a huge detail because he's going to join me in the next segment, but there are some pretty scary details that she alleges in some court documents about the abuse that she suffered and the horror and hell she was put through, allegedly, by this man. Comments of, you know, they wanted to kill her. She contends that he constantly threatened her uh, with being tortured and, and lit on fire. It's pretty damning. That's somebody you want to invite into the Prime Minister's Great office. Great photo op, eh? Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Yes. 
Good family picture. Uh, yeah, this is a really disturbing story in so many ways, and and he's made counter allegations that are not quite as as well, he denies uh, extreme. It, yeah. mm-hmm. But uh, this is a he said, she said. It's before the courts. Really can't say much other yeah. than it really is an ugly situation. Well, not just that. I mean, we're learning a lot now. I mean, the, the reporter on this case had to work for months to get these publication bans lifted. Um, but certainly the security in the PMO's office would have had a lot more resource to be looking into who this Mr. Boyle was and exactly why was he hiking in uh, no, they, Afghanistan. No, they were busy looking into the guest list for the trip to India. Well, maybe they were studying the guest list for when Omar Cotter... I mean, look, they, there's no question. This guy should not have been in the office. Accepting the Prime that Minister. this guy should not have been in the office. There are three security agencies who should be responsible for prohibiting, preventing, vetting deciding who gets close to our leader and commander-in-chief, by the way, as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't want somebody who allegedly might be treasonous or subversive or somebody... Somebody who perhaps attempted to assassinate a politician right. from another some, country. Some, yeah, or like or that. someone who was like married that. to a, a convicted so, terrorist course, at yeah. one point. I wouldn't want that. We but have, again, he was in that office. I mean, this have, is a guy who was married to Omar Khadr's sister, hanging out with the PM. We have our fine... And, and there are many fine people who work there. We have our fine people from CS, and, and then we have the people from the RCMP. And then you have the staffers surrounding Trudeau himself mm-hmm. who have their own vetting capacity. I've worked around all three of those agencies. So between all three of these agencies, none of them threw a red flag in the middle of the ring and said, Mr. Boyle should not be I, in this I, office for so many reasons. It would so be interesting reasons. if we could find out what they actually recommended in this situation and whether or not it was overridden by politics. Because they I took suspect a, that's the case. They took a calculated risk on this. They thought that this was going to be a weepy, terrible story and that this would play to the hearts of Canadians. Brought and you home, know what? his family was held don't hostage. And- I, don't, I don't buy it. If our international and our domestic security services had even a quarter of this information reported that Mm -hmm. to the Privy Council and Trudeau's office. I don't believe that even for political opportunistic reasons that those people would allow this guy in. And so I'm disappointed to say I will leave the blame at the foot of those agencies that are supposed to protect both our country and our government. Okay, sure. But again... The prime minister has a choice of who he takes a picture with in that particular. So this isn't like it's on the street. This was a very intimate, very private occasion that where they met, sat, hung out for quite a bit of time. At what point at the prime minister do you think, OK, hmm, what could come back to bite me? I mean, come on. Did the prime minister really know who he was sitting next to? No, he's really? supposed to they, be briefed by Of course by they did. They knew each other. They knew each other. They know they knew each other. They knew each other from years before. When, when there was conversations about his marriage to uh, Cotter's sister. They knew each other. So, you know. So you're you're proposing to me that uh, Justin Trudeau said to himself, I know this guy from days gone by. They used to talk it's about Star Wars right. online. Yes. This is all foo-for-all yes. and nonsense. This plays to a huge this base for me, and this should be great for photo. All that was a photo. You know, our government is part of bringing these people home and helping them settle into their it's, Canadian it's, life coast to coast to coast where we win, win, win. Everything's sunny ways. Christmas story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next. Steve Bannon's coming to town. <laughs> Steve Bannon's coming to town. Josh Boyle goes to the, uh, you know, Parliament Hill and everyone cheers and Steve Bannon coming to town and people are losing their minds. Uh, look, how long does it take until a human rights case is filed or someone is demanding this things be canceled? What has Steve Bannon done that should prohibit him from coming here and debating? I remember when uh, Tony Blair debated Christopher well, he didn't Hitchens agree with the left, here. so that's probably good you know, enough reason. That no? was a terrific debate. I think that these are the exact sort of forums where you want Steve Bannon in, and let's have somebody who can take Steve Bannon and his particular libertarian, weird, crypto-fascist views on in an effective way. And David Frum can do that. 
For I sure. believe it 1,000%. David's, David's clever guy. I like these sort of debates it. because they simplify and and sort of blow open these issues for people. And the mythology around Steve Bannon, you know, the puppet master, can, can be decimated in a day. Whereas if we deny him the right to speech, we will we'll give him 10,000 new supporters who don't even know what he stands for in a day. Or, Bill, maybe some people will come away with it and say, I actually learned something and I didn't know he was like that. And so my takeaway might be a little bit different. And I'm not defending Steve Bannon. I like certain things he's done. I think he's been pretty controversial and, and on the wrong side of things otherwise. But nonetheless, as long as I walk away feeling like I've learned something, that to me is worth it. The people who go in with an open mind, yes, they, they will actually learn something. It will be an interesting debate. If you don't like this kind of uh, debate, then don't buy a ticket. Don't try and shut it down. Don't for, uh, prevent him from coming into the country. Uh, no, I think there are some people that will learn something, but an awful lot of people will go in with closed minds and they, they either like Steve Ben or they hate him and, and they probably won't change their mind from well, the it. New Yorker but it will be a very him. healthy debate and that's the whole point of free speech. Well, you is. may not agree with what the person says and I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, but I, I support his right to, to say it and, and to, ba- to debate. Well, I, you know, they say they're going to stand up and I hope they do uh, because the New, York, the New Yorker, you know, folded like a cheap suit. Because guys like Jim Carrey said, I will not share, I will not share a stage with Steve Bannon. And I'd, I'd hate, you know, hate to say it, but you'd actually learn a, a hell of a lot Jim more Carrey from impression. Steve Bannon than whoever let's, Jim Carrey but, is today. But let's not also not gild the fascists here. Steve Bannon's the guy who brought the expression, drain the swamp, back into sure. common problems. Drain the swamp. Lots of people come up with monikers. And here to talk about populism. Hold on. Hope and change. Yeah, change and hard work. Drain the swamp is an expression that Mussolini coined to his ascension in Italy. He drained a swamp south of Rome in Italy, which wiped out the cholera, and he slowly became what he became in Italy, which was the beginning of fascism in Europe. That's where the expression comes from. Bannon knew it. He uses a lot of code words like that. He's got some interesting white supremacist friends. Let's have him on stage and expose him for what he is. There you go. All right. So we're going to put wagers on it before, uh, you know, how many protests this thing sparks. Um, All right. We'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. I think John Raz and Bill Hutchison joining me tonight here for this counterpoint. Always a fun chat with these guys. You're on point. I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.